making conversations about independence count. What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, we found out that the show is in the top 10% of global podcasts. Now, that has got to be down to the fantastic guests, you, our listeners, and the fabulous reviews that we get online. Please do make sure that you click that link to leave us a review because I love giving you shout outs. In this episode, we're joined by David Smith, MBE, a young man who has never known his life any differently. He's a gold medalist, Paralympian in Boccia. I had to ask him, what is Boccia? And of course, then he goes on and tells us all about it in this episode. He's an incredible young man who has really overcome lots of challenges, but he has a different perspective on things than maybe we would. So listen on, because this is a real treat of a conversation from a different viewpoint. Now, the first thing that we have to clear up, I think, is explain what is boccia. I have to admit, I had to Google it. Boccia is a ball type game for people with severe disabilities. So if you imagine like Batonk or uh, Bocca from France, very similar to that. Played on a hard floor indoors with fairly soft leather balls on a badminton court sized area. And in terms of the, like how the balls are propelled, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of as accessible as it possibly can be for obvious reasons. And yeah, we have four different classes. So we have BC1, 2, 3, and 4. So I am a BC1, which is someone which has uh, severe um, cerebral palsy or a similar uh, type disability. It means that I can pr- throw the ball, but I'm unable to like reach to the floor and pick up balls myself. I don't have particularly good core or balance, so I use an electric wheelchair to get around. Yeah, so I have a significant impairment, but not enough. That means I can't throw. BC2 is slightly more able. So they might sometimes be in a manual wheelchair instead, a bit more be- better core, a uh, bit more strength, but similar disability. So in terms of cerebral palsy or similar. And then BC3 are those which use uh, ramps. So a bit like the uh, shoots that you get in 10-pin bowling. Although oh, no, the rails. Yeah, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. A bit more complicated than that. Ours cost about two and a half grand. Um, and made <laughs> I can fiber. imagine. But the, yeah, the, the principle is the same and they use them. Um, to propel the ball down um, and to throw the ball, as it were, with an assistant sort of lining the ramp up for them, obviously all under their instruction. And then BC4 are basically a mix of BC1 and 2, but don't have cerebral type disability. So it could be an acquired disability or muscular dystrophy or spinal injury or any sort of. So we we pretty much cover for all eventualities uh, within our sport. And yeah, we are the most severely disabled athletes in the Paralympics. So uh, without botcher there wouldn't be an outlet for us to compete in what got you into the sport then david i'm intrigued so i played when i was very young so i actually started playing when i was about six or seven but i was pretty hopeless because i threw sideways i was under the impression at the time that was a good idea due to going to junior sports events in stoke mandeville and doing athletics-y type stuff chucking things as far as possible like cricket balls for example however botcher being a target game not a throw it as far as you can 
a game. Yeah, it didn't make sense. And I, eventually, when I was about 10 or 11, I realized that I could actually throw forwards. And pointing at the target was a lot better at being accurate. So, <laughs> so it was kind um, of skill versus strength then. It's playing yeah. to your strengths in terms yeah. of using the target. Yeah. And then once I realised that I could point and shoot, I, I then moved schools. And we sport was a really big part of the school life. Our school was a bit like St Trinian's Cross with Hogwarts. Uh, <laughs> it sounds brilliant. Um, but for people with disabilities. So uh, we used to rock up to sports events in a massive coach with, you know, people with massive wheelchairs. We'd bully everybody else on the sports field. Uh, we'd pick up all the medals. We'd go back in our coaches. They're all going into their rubbish little minibuses. And we'd look down on them and wave at them as we went home. Um, Are you sure it wasn't magic like Hogwarts and a little bit of bullying like Trinian's? <laughs> Sounds fun. Definitely no magic involved, but there was a, a lot of competitiveness. We tended to win what we took part in. And it wasn't just botcher, it was all sorts of different sports, athletics, other Paralympic sort of sports within our sort of remit. So, and eventually I got quite good just through luck um, on anything else. I was training regularly at Trelaws and, you know, I was playing against good opposition all the time um, and playing with good opposition all the time. And then we would go to competitions and obviously we'd go to regional championships and we'd, again, Trelaws would clean out and then we'd all go up to Sheffield and to the Nationals while the swimmers would go and do their swimming stuff. We would go and do our botcher stuff, all from the same coach, all in the same venue. The swimmers went straight down the corridor and we went right into the sports hall yeah, and then come home. And then at the end of the day, we'd come back with all these people that have either qualified for the British or you know got to quarterfinals or whatever. Qualifying for the British was quite rare at that point in our group because it was just, obviously that was national championships. So, But I actually managed to do it in, in year nine. I was the only one to do it. And so my coach or my person that was running the botcher at the time basically borrowed a minibus from the back of the school grounds. Uh, I say borrowed. There was no forms to fill in at that point. He just nicked it, basically, shoved me in the back, got the head <laughs> nurse to them because they were mates and share the driving. We took a volunteer who was working at Draws because she lived in Birmingham back at the same time because it should all made sense. So we dropped her off in Birmingham and we'd carry on to Scotland to a lovely place called Easter House, which was not so lovely. And we uh, got lost, found our way, and I ended up winning the British Championships. Like, no idea how. It just beat the UK captain at the time who was going to Athens a year later. I think he retired after that. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Did it seem like a bit of a dream because it was all happening? Well, it shouldn't have been happening. So, I, To be fair, I was just so young. I just, you know, I was loving it. Was that, were you 15, 14, 15? 14 at the time. And yeah. when I came back having won the British Championships, that was my election campaign for the head boy the next year but I was the only one we had a sprinter called Ben Rushgrove who also went to the Beijing Paralympics he was a year above me and he had just been selected for uh, GB talent we had hockey players who were really good we had swimmers who were going to galas all over the country so I was by no means the only you know me winning the British championships in boccia I mean it was a big deal and obviously I was I won the head boy thing for it, um, but but actually the, it wasn't as surprising as maybe it could have been. Like if you look back at it, if I look back at it now, I think, wow, that's crazy. And obviously that led the pathway to the rest of my career. But it was weirdly normal uh, at Trelaws. Like it was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, well done, good boy, carry on. Uh, like don't get ahead of yourself, don't get arrogant, win the next one, kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you have yeah. to ever beat any of your friends? Going back to Trelaws, and it was like going back to normal. Like you know, you, you win the. British Championships on a weekend in Scotland, you come back to the and you're back doing your GCSEs and, and then you're taking part in hockey tournaments and then 
the teacher's telling you off for cheating in botcha because you, you got ahead of yourself and you didn't read the rules properly and you threw two balls at once, which was against the rules at that point. And so I ended up losing that game. And so, you know, I was brought back down to earth quite quickly. It wasn't uh, sitting on it. Then I was doing head boy stuff. So I was meeting governors and all that sort of stuff. And I was starting to shake hands with, you know, you know uh, the big wigs and uh, going to these sort of different events. So that sort of brought got me a bit more experience of communicating with people under high pressure situations and stuff. So, yeah, again, it was just winning the, winning the British was just part of it. Like, it was just one of those things that we did, uh, which was kind of weird. But it, yeah. Was, yeah, it was a crazy environment. I'm guessing was Beijing, that was 2008, was it, David? Yeah, so five years later, I was going to a Paralympics and basically after the British, everything became a whirlwind. I was, you know, selected for England camps, going to friendly internationals. I I wasn't on my own. There were other Trelaw people that had been selected for the England squad at that point. So we all kind of went in that journey together. One of my best mates was uh, my roommate when we ever went on these trips and we trained together as well at Trelaw. So again, I was around successful people um it was never myself and i and like i said there was another friend of mine was training for the for beijing paralympics at the same time as i was so obviously different sport but yeah it was was, again it was weirdly normal (laughs) but you've you've got so many other challenges as well haven't you just in terms of you know wheelchair access traveling getting to and from you know it's got to be a military mission to get you anywhere but I guess you've travelled the world with what you've done. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been all over the place, and we do it so often. It just, it's just normal. And I was brought up in Trelaws where it, anything was not a problem. You know, we, we were expected to plan. Like they'd let us go. You know, when I was sixteen, seventeen, they'd let me go to London on my own. Like you know, they'd let me, you know, jump on a train, go to London. I, I went to see a friend who lived in Leicester, and I would get the train to London then drive my chair across London to King's Cross because I could do it faster than the taxis could get me across London. <laughs> um, and, and then... I thought you were going to say that you'd, you know, you'd memorise the A to Z for London or something then, you know, you could, you could sideline as a taxi. No, driver. no, no, I, I, just, I just use... Obviously, when you're driving a chair, you can go as a crow flies, more or less. So, I, you know, I went across Charing Cross the bridge and then obviously through Charing Cross Station and then straight up straight to King's Cross and it was only about a mile or so and my chair did seven and a half miles an hour so I could do it in about 18 and a half minutes through London and then which was faster than the taxis which meant I could catch the earlier connection train I remember you know ringing up the railway assistance guys to book the someone to get me on the train at the other end and them saying do you want this train I'm like no I'll get the one before how will you do that I said well I'll go between the stations quickly no, but there's no way of getting there like that. I'm like, trust me, I'll be there. <laughs> there's yeah. no stopping you, is there, David? There's really no stopping you. So, yeah, so, and then I was travelling up with my mate to Sheffield for a botcher camps. Obviously, again, leaving from Alton. Alton's a really awkward place because of the trains. I'd have to get a, have to get a train to Woking and back. So I'd, I'd actually end up getting some guys from Trelaws on the bus to drop me off at, in Basingstoke so I wouldn't have to do the dog leg. Then I'd be out with my mate who used to be at Trelaws. He went to Southampton University. So we'd meet up in Basingstoke and then we'd go up together on the train, totally on our own. Two disabled guys on opposite ends of the train because that's how the train system works. And you'd hope that you didn't have to transfer in Birmingham because he, he wasn't very good at the whole travel thing. So I'd have to kind of manage him and myself. So I'd be like, right, Ali, get off. Now, now we get off, all right? Are you awake? Yep, get off. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like there's no one there put your feet in the door all right cool 
Is your, are your feet in the door? Can the door close? No. Excellent. Right. They'll come to you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. um, Not to cause well, another injury or anything, but... I know, the doors have sensors on them so that if you put your foot in the door, they won't, they, they can't close. Yeah. Uh, and then the bus, and then the train driver gets annoyed and eventually tells someone to get us off. This is what's wonderful about talking to you, really, David, is that you see the world through your own eyes and everything is normal to you. Yet what you're describing is allowing me, an able-bodied person, and the listeners, really, to see it through your eyes. And it's a completely different world. We wouldn't have to think half as hard as you have to. And yet you just embrace that as like just another adventure. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's all good. I'm a, I'm a good problem solver, so it's kind of it's kind of what I do. Fair play to you. You know, uh, applause in in the audience from my camp. I ask everybody that comes on the show to think about one conversation that that creates a, a pivotal moment for them. Usually, leads to something remarkable happening or a re- a good realization for something. Now. I never know what any of my guests bring along. David, are you ready to share your pivotal moment with us? Mine's quite hard, I think, because I, I, I can't really pinpoint one pivotal moment. Like it all, as you probably know in my life, probably, I've probably given you a snippet of it. It just seems to like everything is all like little stepping stones, each leading to a, a new adventure. I think probably there's, there's been so many different conversations I've had over the years. I think in terms of like independence, I think. I had a really good conversation with someone, but when I was at, uh, obviously at Trelaws again, <laughs> uh, I was- Shout out for Trelaws. <laughs> yeah, no coincidence. Uh, yeah. One of the house managers, a guy called Ian Scott, really wise guy. Yeah, he, he was so calm. Like he he was like calmness personified. Like he, even though he was a manager and he had to, have to tell people off, he just, he just oozed respect. Like, you know, you know some people you just kind of just respect he was just one of those people that you didn't even have to know the guy and you'd respect him. And he said to me one day, because uh, we were talking about independence and living independently and whatever. And he said to me, Dave, because I'd said something stupid like, well, surely to be independent, you have to do everything yourself. And he said, well, what about if you do everything yourself and it takes you four hours to get dressed and you then miss your work appointment and you know you end up doing nothing for the rest of the day? How independent is that? Whereas if you'd have asked someone to help you, you'd have done it in 20 minutes. You'd be up. You'd be going to work. You'd be earning a living. You'd be coming home. Who is the more independent person? The person that can ask for help, get it done, and then move on to the next thing, or the person that struggles to try and do it themselves? Ian is a very wise man. Yeah. (laughs) So what did you say to him then, Dave? I didn't say anything. He stumped me. Um, (laughs) 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 you know you either bow in his reverence or you just go but that kind of stuck with me those sort of philosophies of uh you know being really pragmatic in your approach to life independence doesn't mean that you have to be alone that was probably the one thing that stuck with me uh and uh, many uh, there's many different sort of conversations i've had i've probably had a couple since lockdown to be fair as well we're just sort of different bringing out different mindsets uh i think the thing I'm learning lately is that my way isn't necessarily the best way for everybody. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own unique assets to bring to the table because my way works for me doesn't mean it will work for everybody. And that's okay. As long as people embrace their own 
skills and maximize what they've got all i can ask for is they do the work that i because I'm, I'm a team captain in the watcher squad so i'm trying to lead my team obviously to pick up a medal in tokyo and i've got to bring them with me and obviously being a successful player there's a lot uh, it's almost like inferred that oh, obviously they should do everything you're doing because you're the successful one but actually my mind thinking well actually no because they're not me yes you so still need to actually, learn from everybody else so actually they need to learn from themselves what works for them i just point them i'm just a, a signpost i can share my story i can you know i can say no, i've been down that path it's a ditch um like <laughs> yeah um, mind yeah. the hedge <laughs> yeah but i but equally you know i can say that that's the destination this is where this is how I got to that destination. But it's, you know, there are other routes you can take. It's embracing everybody's uniqueness, really, isn't it? That the journey is yeah. going to be different for everybody. You know, getting yeah. from A to Z may sound the same for everybody, but it's all those letters from B to Y in between, isn't it? That's going to m- make it a different story. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what I've been learning over over lockdown, really being able to, probably that's been the benefit for lockdown for me, has been able to just take a step back and kind of go, yeah, I don't have all the answers and that's okay. And I don't need all the answers. That comes back to what you were saying about your conversation with Ian though, really, isn't it? Is that, you know, yeah. independence is about being able to ask for help yeah. and for advice and for support. Yeah. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, for somebody so young, you are very wise. Uh, I've been surrounded by good people. Uh, yeah. uh, it helps. It does make a massive difference, doesn't it? So you're, you're busy training now for Tokyo, which has been delayed this year. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be last year, and then they're moving it to uh, the, uh, this summer. And so, yeah, it's not a, it's not a massive deal. It means that Paris is going to be a bit closer. But the actual, but it's all, it should be good. We, we touch with everything going ahead as normal. Obviously, there's going to be different restrictions and different protocols based on COVID and stuff, which is fine. But the the actual games itself are going ahead, as far as we know. So we just train for that, and I'm Do actually probably well. I'm in the best place I've ever been in terms of mentally and sort of physically even though I've had lockdown and not been training for over a year and not and I had the competition for over a year. So I've, uh, I think the, the time off has actually done me a favour. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's uh, interesting. Uh, you know, not many people can sort of spend a year off and get and be stronger than they were when they left. But uh, I think I've managed to do that. So it's pretty cool. Sometimes it's important to take that step back. It does actually yeah. strengthen you, doesn't it? It helps those roots grow stronger as well than constantly you know being busy and, and being on the move well dave wish you all the best in tokyo do let me know how you get on won't you and i will share with all the listeners after the event if anybody wants to pick up the conversation with you after listening to your story today where's the best place for them to find you so I'm on, I've actually got a, I got a YouTube channel, so I do that quite a lot in terms of sort of updates on my story and stuff. But probably the best place to catch me is probably Instagram in terms of you can see me sort of live every day sort of posting and stuff. And welcome to grab me. Um, so what am I at? Uh, I'm at uh, smithy2389 um, on Instagram. Feel free to follow me. And yeah, I'll keep everybody up to date with what's going on. Brilliant, Dave. Well, I'll make sure that the details go in the show notes so that it's easy for everybody to find you. It's been wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing that insight into Boccia, into uh, independence, and I wish you all the best in Tokyo. Thank you ever so much, Dave. We'll see you again soon. And for the listeners, make sure you hit up the channel, all the W's, making conversations count. 
dot studio forward slash podcast. All the platforms are there. Hit the button so you don't miss an episode. We've got some fabulous guests joining us. Preparations are underway for the Japanese Paralympians to go and fight for their medals again this year. I know David is busy with his training and we're going to be rooting for you all the way and wish you all the luck in the world on that boccia pitch. David, is it a pitch? You'll have to tell us how you get on. In the meantime, if you want to take up a read for your summer break, do check out my Making Conversations Count best-selling book. The link's in all the comments and you'll find out how to improve your conversations. Happy to always grab a chin wag and those power-up sessions are going really well. Until next time, thanks for listening. Next week, we have Graham Nash joining us and he's going to be making conversations about family count. It's almost like taking the passion that people have got for the business, but bottling it up and using it sparingly where you need it to improve things. (music) 